Hi, I'm Erin, and you're listening to The Erin Roy Show. Clouds up ahead, just like memories, float into them with the same Clouds up ahead, just like memories, float into them with the the pleasure of chatting with modern dance maven Lisa Race. Lisa's a Bessie award-winning dancer, a choreographer, and teacher. Some would say she created the downtown New York dance scene. She's married to choreographer David Dorfman, with whom she has a son, Sam. We chatted on the porch of a house by the seaside, so pardon the sounds of wind and rolling waves. Let's just start with what's top of your mind these oh days. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know, so many things. I mean, I think like all dancers, dancing people my age, um, we start thinking a lot about getting older, Mm -hmm. particularly, I don't know, we all have our stuff, but for me, it's my crappy knees. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at um, Lion's Jaw Festival, which is a young festival it was the second year in boston and um ishmael houston jones was get it was the night we were performing and he took his shirt off and he was like i didn't know this was gonna happen you know (laughs) and we laughed just we all i I feel like so many people of our generation have been making these dances like i can't believe this you know i can't believe i'm this old and it just cracks me up because of course i'm doing the same thing but i'm also just like you know the the dancing people who are in their 80s are probably laughing at us you know like it's gonna happen to everybody Uh (laughs) so i do i have been you know thinking about that as my as my body as my physicality changes and um um the way I like to do things gets disrupted um by injury and you know in my case arthritis and stuff mm-hmm. so that's always floating around yeah aging is an interesting process isn't it <gasps> uh, yeah well and you know there are so many different parts like when I watch David's company now I just like the one of the things that I really miss is just that absolute freedom you know for me one of the things I've always loved about dancing is just like throwing myself into space I'm like okay you be calm you can find your own way now or you know at time, different times I've kind of felt like oh, okay maybe this is the end of dancing um, for you for me as I've, I have had some injuries that have really kind of stopped me cold and, but then I seem to keep coming back and then I'm like well okay I can't do that but I can do this you know mm-hmm. keep trying trying to continue to find the range that works so who knows how long that will go on. <laughs> Is there anything else in, that you've experienced? Because I, I know that feeling of, of throwing yourself into space and then of being unable to find that again. Is there anything in your life 
you know, you have a beautiful garden or your choreography. Is there anything else that gives you that same sense of flying? Um, well, I would say sometimes sailing, even though mm-hmm. I'm not a good sailor and David and I are trying to learn how to sail from our son who is a good sailor. Um, but when the boat gets, you know, hauled way over and you just feel the wind, that kind of feeling is, it, is something I always love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, and I mean, it's not the same kind of freedom thing, but I, I do bike a lot to kind of help my knees stay in motion. And um, it's not that flying freedom thing, but it's sort of a, a kind of a, peaceful way to just be in the world to see because we're in this beautiful location in um, southeast Connecticut and um, part of my riding ritual is all along the water and and one of the things I like to do is notice some different you know animal or something along the way and so almost every day I see something and um, you know, sometimes it's a different kind of bird. Sometimes it's one day I was riding and a deer just kind of stopped at the edge of the road, and I was like, "Okay, I'm just just gonna keep riding slowly by this deer." And we just looked at each other in the eyes, and the deer just didn't move. And I just went by, and I was like, "Oh, that was just such a great moment, you know." Or seeing a fox cross the road, so. That they're very different from flying free, certainly, but they're kind of moments that are like make just make me feel, you know, like that little click in your mind, like ah, oh, that was a thing, that was a nice thing. Well, and as you describe it, it's almost like yes, it is a moment, but that moment extends into sort of an expansive amount of time, and that's something that that was apparent to me when I met you for the first time, you, which was out in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, a little over a year ago, um, but you somehow have a presence about you that it's almost like, and I watch you with other people as well. It's, it's that you, you take such care with, with people and your interactions with them. And I'm wondering, I suppose, is that something that you have cultivated in yourself or is it just a natural curiosity and interest in in the world around you? Um, Well, thank you. I don't know if I know that about myself, but I... um, I think that it's not something that's always been a part of me. I've been for a lot of my life, a very shy person. But there is something I think that has to do with this whole age thing. (laughs) You know, kind of feeling a little bit more like the mom in the field. You know, like not only teaching at Connecticut College where, you know, we've already crossed that point where uh, David and I are, older than most of the parents of our students coming in, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was a little bit traumatic going through, um, but, uh, or acknowledging, but also to, you know, um, to David's newer company members and stuff, um, 
maybe feeling like I want them to to feel comfortable to be a part of things and I do want to know them um, because I think what they're bringing I mean this isn't just David's company but that's what I'm thinking about right now what younger people are bringing um, into their work into their making and into who they are is really interesting and it's um, it's nice to learn about mm-hmm. and it it um there's something about cultivating people and cultivating it's, it's similar almost to cultivating a garden in some ways i think just looking at where something is going and sort of and nurturing it in a, in a way that's conducive and and quite beautiful and it's you, um, I know several women about your age who have these magnificent gardens, and to me, there's something there's something larger in that. You know, I, I don't think that we garden just for ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like we're. I think there's something restorative about you know sticking your hands in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom um, gardened some she wasn't out there every day but we always had a garden growing up and then my sister who lives up in Rhode Island started gardening as soon as she had a house and I didn't live in a house for so many years because um you know so much of that time was in New York so it's tiny apartment living and and when uh when we moved up here just kind of felt like an opportunity to spread out to get my hands in the ground to not know to jump into something I really didn't know anything about and for me I was laughing a little bit when you were describing the process of gardening because for me it was more like or it continues to be <laughs> like okay put it in the ground here why not and then a couple of years later hmm it's still alive but maybe that's not the best spot let's move it mm-hmm. you know put it somewhere else so there's a lot of kind of learn as you go, try this, experiment, nope, move it around. Oh, there's a better spot. Okay. You know, like I'm still, it's still such a work in progress, but. And I saw. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Um, I think the part of just toiling, toil, Mm -hmm. toiling in the soil. I love that word. Productive in some way that I can't really articulate mm-hmm. except that it's part of that you know like just letting your mind have lots of different thoughts running through while you're while you're participating in this process of making something grow hopefully <laughs> right it is it and is occasionally not <laughs> did you choreograph the piece the garden before you moved to connecticut or after you were already here the Dance? The dance? Yeah, I made, well, that was, no, that was after we were here because I, I went back to um, school, to grad school in um, 2006. And um, here at Connecticut College? Or? Uh, it was through Hollins University and the American Dance Festival, where oh. I used to teach a lot. Um, so they together had this, this joined. Um, low residency program and so I started making different sections around that time I think one of the sections I started before grad school so there is a section that's in dirt and um, and there's another part that's um, 
well, Sam, when I performed the piece for, for my MFA um, down at ADF, Sam was six, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I had him playing in a pile of dirt with some of his trucks, but then he was also helping me plant plant some little flowers in the front and cutting them down. So there were kind of these different rituals um, throughout the dance. Um, and I was just thinking about life cycle, you know, growing, dying. Um, my, my parents, well, my mom, as you know, is 97 and doing really well. But my dad passed away a number of years ago. And kind of just, just thinking about you know, these extremes of generation within my family because, you know, now Sam is 16 and his grandmother is 97. So, and I'm in the middle of that. So we've spread the generations about as wide as you can get. Um, so I, I, in, that, in that sense, I think, oh boy, what am I trying to say? Um, kind of just trying to interrogate and understand family in a way that has kind of always, I've always felt a little like the way the youngest of my siblings, you know, by, um, by a number of years. And then also because my mom was 39 when I was born. (laughs) So feeling like I didn't really know my parents when they were young and kind of hyper aware of that with Sam because I was 42. Were you? Wow. <laughs> so, so um, um, I don't know if I'm making any sense at you, all. No, you are. But um, kind of family stories, family kind of life cycle has been something that's been, seems to be on my mind just a lot in, in terms of understanding my, my own family. So, mm. yeah. And do you feel, to me, as sort of an outsider looking in within the, the, within the company, the David Dorfman Dance Company, um, you, and you have a large part to do with this, I think, you have created almost an extended family of, of dancers and musicians mm-hmm. and technicians and and. Are they an important part? Do, do they feel like family to you? Is, is that important to you to cultivate a community of people who care for each other? Well, I think, um, you know, in the many work years that I worked with David's company full-time before I um, left and then kind of continued to return as a guest artist, um, that that has always been felt like a family structure. You know, it's never felt like business, you know, maybe part of that is the economics of uh, postmodern dance the, the, world. The lack, the lack um, and you have to really love it and kind of love the people that you're with um, in order to succeed. Um, and I think, you know, I think so much of that comes from David because he has always, his dance company has always been his family. And, you know, and then he and I became a family and, um, um, yet we are are a small family. And so, um, I think that the company is in many ways, uh, you know, in a different, 
iteration, but an extension of family. And um, there's a closeness with the company that I think is um, hard to come by that I appreciate. Mm -hmm. but tell me a little bit about what it was like being part of the downtown dance scene. I mean, <laughs> you, you, when people speak of you, they almost it's almost like you are a rock star of that <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I didn't live there then, <laughs> so I I don't I don't know what what was it like. I don't know. I was just in it, you know, and I was a latecomer to it. I again, I was really shy in college. I just didn't quite know what I was doing, and um, it took me a long time to find my way into that world. Um. um but I think in, you know, in those years in New York, I really never imagined doing anything else. I never imagined leaving, you know, it was just, um, what was it like? We, I, you know, went to performances all the time. Um, I did a bunch of crappy jobs, catering and word processing and, um, at that time, movement research was on Avenue A, and I, I was in rehearsal with David one day, and I think it was Guy Yarden came out and um, was like, Lisa, somebody canceled. Um, do you want to teach a class? You know, it's like I was like, ah, I don't know how to teach, and um, so I was terrified, but I also said yes, and. Um, and so then that really became my world. I was so happy when I finally got rid of my um, catering uniform um, that I, you know, what I did was I rehearsed, I taught, I performed with David, with Sarah Pearson, and then was doing my own work as well. And so um, um, it was wonderful, you know, I don't really know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, when you and David made the decision to move to Connecticut, do, do you miss being in New York? Is um, There's so many things I miss about the city. Um, and, you know, probably the first is the, the availability of culture and going to, being able to see dance pretty much any night that you want to. Um, that said, I also love where we are now and that we are doing something different. I think for some people, um, um, being in New York and staying in New York is, is vital. And I think for us, um, it became really hard to be a parent and survive economically um, being in the city. And, you know, at that time when Sam was really young, I was traveling a lot. I wasn't working with David's company anymore, but I was um, on the road, and so Sam would come with me no matter where I went. And um, when I, he was, I guess, around two, it sort of hit me that I was totally exhausted. You know, like I'd done a, a show in the city that I was really kind of like, what was that? And not happy with. 
and um, um, kind of just around that time, the job came up at Connecticut College, and um, we decided it was time to try something different. And um, I, one of the things that I love is being able to step outside and just, you know, have coffee on the porch or, you know, um, and I, with our lifestyle, that that kind of activity wasn't um, available to us in New York. We were never going to have a little terrace or anything. <laughs> so, um, and, and I think being here uh, um, allowed us or maybe forced us in, in some way to, to meet people with different life cho- choices, whether it's, you know, within academia or neighbors on the block. Like, you can, <clears throat> I think you can live a pretty insular, insulated life as an artist in New York, which is great because there are so many like-minded folks, um, but it's also good to have to step outside that world and see what other people are doing and how they've chosen to um, make a life. And now we've been here for uh, 14 years, so it's still, I mean, it really feels like home. You know, we were in New York for, I, I'm not even sure for David, but for me, 20 years. Um, and now we're starting to get closer to that mark where it's, you know, almost even the time in New York and the time here. Um, you know, when we do, if we ever get to retire, <laughs> we, um, I don't know, well, if we'd stay here or if... I was just uh, performing a few weeks ago up at Bates College and... Um, went to stay with one of the dancers, Annie, down in, in, Maine, in uh, Portland, which Portland, Maine, over the last 20 or so years, has just transformed, and it's such a foodie town, and it's sort of um, down the street from where Annie lives, there's a look, uh, overlook and a big park out onto the water, and it felt so much like Seattle to me. I called David, I was like, I, I know where we're retiring, to Maine, can you believe it? You know, <laughs> joking, but, you know, would we want to be, would we want to be closer to uh, more dance events? I don't know, but I don't know where that, I, what that, where that tangent just came from, but, uh, yeah, New York. I of course I miss New York. Yeah, um, and I, I like coming back home too. Did you? I didn't realize that you had Sam at forty-two. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, it's very inspiring. Uh, <laughs> I was lucky. <laughs> did, did you want to be a mother? Was that something? Yes. Well, it's something I didn't think about for a long time, and, you know, like, I had different relationships, different years, and David and I got together very late. We'd already known each other for so many years, and when we kind of decided to make a go of it, I was like, okay, 
you just have to know that the clock is ticking and one of the things that I want to do is have a kid. It just kind of became my, I wanted that experience. That said, I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, you know, on my own doing whatever I want to do for over 40 years. What if I'm like, uh-oh, that was the wrong choice, you know? <laughs> but then you have them and, and, and that there's just not a question. There's not a question that it wasn't the right thing. So, um, yeah. What do you hope for Sam? Um, well, I want him to be happy. And I want him to always feel free to explore what he wants to explore. Like, I, I um, you know, I feel really fortunate that he is comfortable with himself because I never was as a kid. And I think he, he really is. And he, um, <clears throat> he, he and his friend Nico uh, last week at school performed a clean version of a Flight of the Concords song, you know, at a, just a, a little school assembly. He just feels comfortable to do stuff like that. And, and um, Saturday night after our performance, when we were at the bar, at, well, at Daddy Jack's restaurant, um, that he, at 16, is happy to get out on the dance floor with both his dad and his mom. Like, I hope that he can carry that freedom with him through his life. It is a freedom, isn't it? That's a good way of putting it. Well, I think particularly for, you know, boys and men in our culture, that dance is still, to this day, for many kids, not encouraged, you know? And, and um, <clears throat> he grew up taking creative dance classes with someone who's just wonderful that's been in this area for many years, Lana Burton. And um, she has just an incredible way with kids and um, um, really engages them creatively. And she's working, you know, with six and eight and 15-year-olds with the same concepts that I'm, you know, working with some of our college students with and really kind of treats their... Um, exploration um, as, as uh, very essential as, you know, kind of part of their development as human beings. And I see that. I see what that does for someone, so for a young person growing up. Mm -hmm. and, and what are just a few of those touchstones that, that she imparted in Sam that you believe helped him uh, sort of come into himself with such a self-assuredness? Well, I think probably the most primary is just um, um, being comfortable with improvising movement and so moving without kind of a known outcome, you know, that there's not going to be a uh, 
a medal hung around your neck after after you finish dancing. That um, that creative exploration in and of itself is really important. Um, you know, and I think about that just in terms of how he goes about his whole, his entire, you know, um, life in terms of schooling and stuff like that. That that she is enabling creative thinking across disciplines as opposed to, um, you know, kind of the prescribed, like your arms have to go in this position in order to be doing it right. And, you know, that whole idea of right, mm. the right way to do something. Um, I mean, not that that's not <laughs> important, but just that the, you don't always have to know, you know, that process is just as important as outcome. I mm-hmm. think that's probably primary. Um, primary something. Protect, um, right. <laughs> um... And you know, encouraging them in terms of of looking at each other, watching each other dance, and um, asking them questions about what they see, um, and, and so she's kind of uh, fostering conceptual thinking as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many students do you work with at Connecticut College? Connecticut College, um, well, it depends on the year, and it depends if I'm teaching um, a cl- all majors, which some some semesters I am, so then it can be, you know, as small as 20, you know, between, a, a, I teach two classes a semester, um, or if I'm teaching uh, an introductory, introductory movement course for non-majors, that can be over the course of the semester between that class and my other class, you know, like 50. Um, so it can be very, quite varied. <laughs> <laughs> and do you see, with, with the students that you have, they're all coming in at such specific ages, what, is, what, what are they struggling with? Like if you, if you had a magic wand and on day one you could sort of wave it over them and say, let's get over this so we can get to mm. the next is, is there uh, of course I mean I think it's the thing that everybody struggles with in some ways self-judgment you know particularly in um, improvisation classes I think we're so concerned with being judged not only not only self-judgment but judgment by others um, and you know, if I could say one thing, it would just be to um, do what <laughs> do whatever it takes to let that go. Um, and you know, in there, it lies the excitement in moving. And do you have any sort of answer as to you know what it takes to let go of the self judgment? Mm, no. <laughs> You know, the secret I, of the universe. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> but it, you know, it is easier for some people to access than others. Um, and I think students, you know, are. I think 
in general, um, students today do have a lot of pressure on them, financial pressure, um, pressure to succeed, succeed, pressure to be right, um, to get it right, to get the right grade, and um, that sometimes the learning can get a little lost in kind of those, those desires kind of coming together as necessary. Mm-hmm. I loved watching you dance with David. I was coming back again and now around town. And then even on the dance floor at Daddy Jack's, is that the name of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and dancing with Sam. It's, it's inspiring on so many levels, um, you know, artistically. Um, and then as watching humans explore what it means to be close to each other, I suppose intimacy is really what I'm, what I'm getting at. For you, what, is it, what does it feel like to dance with your husband on a stage in front of so many people? Um, I don't feel like I, I, I don't think so much about people watching. Um, it's, it's very familiar to me, so it feels very comfortable. Um, and <laughs> I think each year that we do something together, our dancing gets a little slower or a little... <laughs> Um, so that's just interesting to observe. Um, the first duet that we made together, <clears throat> which was, I don't know, probably 1994 or 95, um, had all this jumping and, you know, like I was throwing myself upside down at him and stuff like that. And now it's like, oh, it's a little more gentle and it's a little more gentle or in coming back again. Um, I guess that was different because um, it was really a, more of a solo that was kind of engaging him. Um, but I think there's just such a deep knowledge of each other that that's the... Um, I think that's something that maybe registers with people watching because there is just such a, a long history. Mm. Um, history of both each other, of how each other moves and of you know our own movement histories in our bodies kind of all of those things coming together that's beautiful what as as a woman as well just as as a woman you know what is it that you hope your interactions what what do you hope is left behind through the interactions that you have with others do you think about that Um, I think probably, you know, for me, you know, one of the things that I've been known for is just kind of the handstand lady, you know, that I was upside down a lot. Um, and the thing that that has stood for for me is just this idea that you, um, uh, that being comfortable going upside down, going in and out of the floor, kind of being in any orientation state or any orientation in space 
um, allows you to be fierce, allows you to make um, exciting choices in terms of movement and that as women, we don't, you know, this is like old hat by now that we don't need to just stand on our feet and look elegant. I've never specialized in elegance. Um, um, but yeah, that we can have strong bodies and we can be graceful or fierce. You know, like we can be all of those things. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about that before, actually. The, the concept of just literally turning it upside down and seeing what happens. Mm. What, uh, you are a beautiful choreographer. What, what is your next chapter as, as, a choreograph- <laughs> as a choreographer? Thank you. I don't know about that, but um, I, well, the dance that we just did up at Lion's Jaw, um, what had kind of stretched out to 30 minutes when we did it up at Bates Dance Festival in the summertime. We just did an informal showing there. And then we really compressed it um, for Lion's Jaw. So I'd both like to open that back up, but um, also um, I'm, I'm interested in making a couple of more sections for it that are maybe these continuing these threads of, of family stories. And even though they're, I wouldn't really call them stories since they're just kind of fragments of stories in a way, but to overall hopefully tell something um, about family. Um, I, I, uh, I do have a couple of more stories that I want to tell. I can't quite tell which ones yet. I keep When I take my bike ride, I'm like, oh, maybe that's the one. And then I get home and I'm like, what was I talking? What was I thinking about? <laughs> um, so I have to start, sit down and um, start writing some things down, whether it's more about my mom, but as you know, I kind of used this um, driving that my dad's love for driving to, t- to say a few things about him and about um, um, his dementia, his Alzheimer's, but also my fear of that. And so how to kind of, and, and I think that's a story that hopefully can transcend me and that other people um, might get something from, but, um, so I'm trying to figure out what are are the other stories that tie into that, and is it focused more around my dad, or it, do I start bringing my mom into that? And and again, it's kind of part of this uh, idea of why you know how do, how am I understanding my family and my place in it? Um, so yeah, I I, I think in the more immediate future, just trying to figure out how to expand that piece maybe into more of an evening length work. Um, I do want to show it at the start of the fall at Connecticut College. 
Um, and look around for some other places to show it to. So. Mm-hmm. And do you often start your process, your, your choreographic process with writing? No, no. <laughs> and in fact, this, um, this particular piece has been just really unusual. I don't know if I've told you this before. Um, we started it uh, two years ago, which is, um, for me, a really long time ago, we started started it as a trio uh, for Rachel Boja and Annie Kloppenberg and Kendra Portier. And um, we had a, a great work session one spring. I can't remember if it was a week or like a week and a half. And we kind of showed that. And then um, because Kendra's in school in Illinois and uh, Annie and Rachel are both... On, uh, at different institutions in Maine and then me in Connecticut, it became really difficult to find ways to get together. And then, you know, one of my me's had one of its kind of complete failures, so I wasn't moving, and Rachel had a, a really serious concussion that affected her neurologically for a long time, so we just, we just didn't work. And so it was almost like a year, and then we got back together and usually we would get back you know together for two days and we'd be trying to remember what we did the time before so there wasn't much progress forward and you know it's like why it was really a movement piece it's like why am I making this piece why are we what is it what is it about besides we knew we were making this swirling world and um, at that point there were no props it was just a straightforward trio and then I had made a solo for myself, um, and that's where these little shell pieces kind of came in, and oh, they were a frame for that I started with in this solo. And so then we did get another session, work session, where like the next, <laughs> sometime in the next year, um, it was easier for Annie and Rachel and I to fly to Illinois to work for like four days than it was for people for. Kendra to come east. So we went out there and we, at that point, tried to put together the trio and this solo. And so we worked and we worked and we were like, oh, and we improvised and blah, blah, blah. And I came home and I looked at the material and I was like, no, that's not. I felt like we were just destroying a lot of the integrity of the trio that we had worked on. And so then, um, so then it was just time and thinking. And I started to think about um, well, this video that I had started with on, that was part of my bike path, this one road with these trees, and mm. it's like, I love this yeah. this path, and there's something time-based about this path to me, mm. um, and I go through it in different seasons, you know, it looks different all the time, and then um, in asking Sean to work with the, the video, that just, you know, started to bring around this idea of driving as a way to to um, talk about my dad since it was so important to him um, and and then using the shells to create pathways through the trio um, start to bring together what the piece was what my role was in it and so I could just completely let go of that old solo stuff and we kind of found found the intention 
through a long and slow process. <laughs> Which is not over yet. <laughs> not over yet. No. That's amazing. Uh, we will end because you have to get to school soon. Yeah. Um, but let's just, I'm interested in knowing, um, we'll just throw out some senses and what comes to your mind um, first. But when you think of smell, what do you, what what's something that tickles you or? Smell. Um, gosh, that's a really hard question. <laughs> um, well, if I think of this morning, I'm just going to go right off. The first thing I thought about when I opened up our compost bin this morning was put out that stuff in there. Um, I don't know. Oh, well, smell. I, I'm going to go back to bike riding because mm. I and being along the shoreline, you know, we're not open ocean here, um, but we are on the coast. And so the different smells when I'm out riding my bike, you know, like some days you really smell the seaweed. Some days, um, I can't say that I know what the smell of salt air is, but some days it just feels, smells brinier. Mm. And some days it, you know, it doesn't, but I think just the smell of the air here is something that um, I I like to take in. And it's something that you don't think about so often when you're in the city, you know, just how does the air, well, maybe you do, but or in maybe a different you context. Actually, right, you close yeah, it, you close, close it, it out. off. Yeah. <laughs> what about taste? Um, <laughs> tomatoes. Garden tomatoes. From your garden? Well, yes, because they've just come to an end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh so to my mom, so we have this little tradition, because she does live with us, um, where I cut up a half an avocado in the morning and leave half for her, and then half I put in whatever I'm having for lunch that day. And in the summertime, I also cut up, you know, tomato, leave her half tomato to go with the avocado, and I use the other half. And so just a couple of days ago, I said, Mom, last tomato. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what about touch? Um... Hmm. Well, two things. I think one, because we've just performed this piece, David's uh, Around Town, the sensitivity and intimacy of just kind of sliding um, known surfaces against one another that we're in that dance where we are just kind of... Um, I don't think it's sexy dance, but I think there is something uh, sensual and intimate about just kind of sliding sur surfaces of the skin against one another in the way that we are in that dance. Because I think you can also do that in a contact class and not think twice about it. Um, uh, so touch that. And then um, waking Sam up in the morning for school because, you know, he's 16, but sometimes when you wake him up, he's still like a little kid. And mm -hmm. so I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lisa. We'll, we'll end there. Thank you for sharing. 
Thank you, Aaron. You're welcome. Hey, thanks for listening to The Aaron Roy Show. I'll leave you with Liz DeLise and her song, Clouds Up Ahead. Clouds up ahead. decided don't worry that's okay <laughs> do what you need to do <laughs> Liz Delise exiting paradise so <laughs> um <laughs>